Welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with business and well-being thought leaders, experts, and founders. We will be digging deep while sharing experience, insights, and tips for busy Generation X women seeking ways to strip back, simplify, live intentionally, and create space for everyday joy. I'm your host, Tamu Thomas, founder of The 360 Brand. I'm a life coach, speaker, writer, and podcaster too. I am passionate. In fact, I believe that it is my divine assignment to help Generation X women connect with their inner leader, the leader that resides in their emotions, buried by logic and the desire to be good. Logic and being good according to someone else's standards is okay for surviving, but round here, we are in the business of thriving. I use my background in social work, life coach training, and my superpower of loving kindness to help women connect to who they really are so they can expand into themselves fully embrace their leadership qualities and relinquish the chaos that exists within the duality of who we are and who we think we should be. My intention for this podcast is to plant seeds and create aha moments that bring you closer to your centre so that you can start to embrace your 360 degrees wholeheartedly. In this episode, I am joined by Clemmy Telford. Clemmy is a consultant creative director, a strategist and social media specialist. She is a broadcaster and she is also an influencer, a person with influence uh, using social media platform Instagram as a means to tell stories about her family's families about her family and share information about things that she feels are relevant to families, to women in general. And, 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 and she uses her very sizable platform and her digital spaces to hold beautiful, deep and meaningful space for other women. She has a blog called Mother of All Lists, where she hosts conversations, spaces for women to share things that are impacting their lives. The real stuff, not the stuff we see in magazines, not the nonsense that's peddled as clickbait, but real stuff that is having a real impact on people. In this conversation, we talk about the dreaded CV-19, as Clemmy and I both think that we had um, the lurgy, the virus, um, Clemmy more recently than I. We also have a conversation about um, the changing of traditional gender roles. Uh, Clemmy is the main breadwinner in her household. Her husband is a stay-at-home dad. We talk about that. We talk about the changing dynamics and the impact that had on their relationship. Uh, Clemmy also shares uh, about her and her husband having therapy and how that has enabled them to have difficult conversations. Um, And we talk about the ways Clemmy holds space to have difficult conversations on social media platforms so that we can all start to realise that life's difficulties, what we perceive to be life's challenges, are bloody normal. This was a really rich and expansive conversation. Um, There may be points that poke wounds that are perhaps laying dormant, Um, but I suggest that you lean in and use this as a learning and growing opportunity. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. In fact, I am sure that you will. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome back to another episode of 360 Conversations. I'm delighted that you hear, you're here and I'm really grateful for your time, especially in the midst of the CV-19 pandemic. I don't even want to say the whole word or the whole acronym anymore um, because there are so many digital spaces clambering for our time and attention. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that I'm not adding to the noise, that I'm giving you some quality, babes. <laughs> um, so today I have a lovely guest, Clemmie Telford, and she is a 
consultative create consultant creative director strategist. She does all sorts of wonderful things, helping companies do all sorts of creative things on digital platforms. And that's part of the reason that I invited her onto the show. But the main reason is that um, I find, Clemmy, you're here. Let me not pretend like you're not here <laughs> at the moment. I find your Instagram feed a delight. I really enjoy what you share from your family stuff to work stuff, keeping fit stuff, relationship stuff, and just the mundane, ordinary stuff that makes us human beings. Because I think sometimes on Instagram, particularly because it's a very visual platform, there's like a tendency for people to feel like it's got to be the biggest and best bits. And then I think it influences us to believe that life should be made up of a series of biggest, best bits. And it's the, the mundane, ordinary things like looking out your window and seeing a beautiful sunset just as you're recovering from <laughs> CB19 um, or that you put a chair in a new place and you're getting <laughs> satisfaction from that chair being in a new zone in your home. <clears throat> So I thought it would be a really lovely conversation to have with somebody that has got a huge platform, but uses that platform to hold space for other people just as much, if not more than, for, your, for yourself. You're going to make me cry. We just did talk. It was a big full moon last night, and I get very caught up in these things. And, um, yeah, it's a time of massive self-reflection, I think, and really, really making you... Making, me ask myself what you know what I want and what what does happiness look like and hearing you describe what I do like that is a massive compliment so thank you oh you're very welcome it's it's the truth and if you want to cry darling this is a wholehearted <laughs> space <laughs> I can't give you tissues but I can blow you kisses um so Clemmy I've, I've talked a little bit about what you do but rather than me ask you to tell us a bit about what you do um if someone was talking to you about your work how would you want them to describe what you do I think that is such a mammoth question and a good one um I hope that they would describe it as um a space for opening up difficult conversations that is I think my top tier kind of ambition um yeah and I do that through the blog with sharing people's experiences and then in the podcast which is called honestly which is having honest conversations and the, the thinking behind all of that is that all the stuff that we've got rattling around in our head the most dangerous part of it is if we start believing that it's weird to be thinking these things or to be experiencing these things and as soon as you get them out in the open and make them public and realise that everybody's secretly thinking these things, it's such a normalising moment that, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's it. I love that. Um, um, uh, people that listen to this podcast will know that I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown oh. and something. <laughs> her and Russell Brand, I've, I've, <laughs> I have been watching her stuff for the last, I always love her stuff, but during this time of crisis, I've really gone back to it and I find her so grounding. So grounding. So just... See, this happened so quickly, off piece slightly. This weekend, I'm doing a um, somatic coaching course, which talks about or learning about how to tap into your body's innate wisdom. Mm. And this weekend, we were studying breath and voice and what our breath and our voices tell us about, our, like about what's going on for us. And um, I, my group, we had to study a Brene Brown video. Really me? So I had to say, look, I have to declare that I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. <laughs> so there's all kinds of fangirl business. <laughs> this. So I've got to really kind of pull myself back. And um, firstly, the reason that I'm talking about Brene Brown is because I love her dialogue around shame not surviving when you give it a voice. Mm. And a lot of us talk about feeling guilty when in actual fact, what we're feeling is shame. Shame is like the sinister underbelly to guilt. Um, and it has a much deeper impact. Um, but back to fangirling Brene, um, <laughs> we were studying her breath, her voice, her tone. So you had to watch really closely. And um, Brene Brown, she commands your attention. She's very authoritative while still speaking in a manner 
like you could bump into her in Tesco mm. and have a good conversation with her. It's such a skill though, because she's saying really profound stuff, <clears> but but makes you think that you might be able to think it, which you definitely, she's on a, you know, she's a doctorate, isn't she? But yeah, yeah it's such a skill. It's such a skill. And you know, I believe that that skill comes from understanding who you are, what you're doing and returning to it all the time. Mm. And, you know, Brene is Brene. But I think <laughs> that's what you do. Oh, I mean, honestly, <laughs> that's the biggest compliment. But it's interesting that you observe that I do try and really, either knowingly or unknowingly, put in the really normal life stuff. And I think I, it's really important to remember that you can be having these profound thoughts or you can be struggling with big stuff, but life is also really ordinary. And I think for me, connecting the two is really important, that I can be trying to cook the the best baked potato whilst yeah struggling with mental health or um challenging an addiction or whatever it's you know that those are the kind of two extremities of being a human and I kind of I love that that is you know one of the gifts of being human and I think when we allow ourselves to take a step back and view it we can have that we can see it as a gift rather than I just want to make great baked potatoes I don't want to think about my critical voice that is telling me I'm messing everything up like I did in 1987 and 2009 and and whatever else that is the the tapestry that makes us human I think so before we delve into other stuff you suspect that you had the dreaded virus I do I I would if I was a betting person I'd say I was like 85 to 90 percent sure I had it um I just had pretty textbook symptoms which is I'm kind of laughing to myself because as I was going into getting it I couldn't tell whether it was extreme anxiety or whether I was coming down with it because I had a sore throat and my chest was tight I'm like is this an ongoing panic attack or have I got the Mm -hmm. corona Um, and then I had a high fever um, and then lost my or lost the majority of my smell and taste which was wild really wild experience I mean I when I was feeling better was finding it quite fun I could chew a lime and not taste anything wow Um, yeah um and yeah it's so weird it's so contextual I I definitely found it fine but then my husband was like you found it fine because you were comparing it to the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. but Either way, I'll be honest, I would rather, I'm, I'm glad to have had it because the anxiety about getting it was so extreme that I feel like I can park that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is amazing. How did your children find that? Like, do they understand the gravity of what uh, this pandemic is about? Not really, no. They talk about the virus and they knew they kind of had to stay away from me and not drink my drinks and things like that. But on the one hand... You know, I was I was fine. I, I was exhausted, and mm-hmm. you know, I never ever stop, and I never lose my appetite. I lost my appetite, um, but I was completely cognitive. So you know, that that didn't feel scary in that respect for yeah. them or for me. I I think I'm not sure. So I got I thought I had bronchitis in January, mm. and my mum said to me like a week or so ago, "Do you think you it might have been?" the dreaded Rona because although it felt like uh bronchitis is something that when I'm not looking after myself if my mental health isn't how it normally is and I'm not I I, um struggle to recognize it because I keep come on you can do this you're strong Mm. and then I get ill um and I'd had a very sudden shocking bereavement at the beginning of January um and um at the end of January I got bronchitis and I thought oh there's the grief thank you very much yeah um but when I was coughing like I went to the doctors they gave me um antibiotics which was unusual because they're quite oh no antibiotics Mm. is gonna work and I'm not like an antibiotics gal but when I, the temperature was insane, when I was coughing, I literally had to hold my body because it felt like I was going to split apart. Mm. And I was having weird, weird dreams, very mm. visceral dreams. And um, I got my, I've got a folder that I've got all my financial affairs in, mm. like my life insurance, um, pensions, I haven't actually got a will and I am going to get a will done. Um, but I've got like death 
benefit from previous work and who it goes to. Um, so my, my sister knows that I've got a green get money folder. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I just had it somewhere visible because I just thought, I know this sounds really extreme, but I feel oh like God. if I coughed without holding myself, my body would just explode. And um, I can't remember what the other symptoms are. I didn't, I didn't lose taste, but I lost appetite and mm my appetite's my friend. Um, So I thought maybe maybe I did. So what it has done for me, not in a um, kind of like doom and gloom way, is I started investigating, uh, uh, well, I won't say the brand name, um, but I started investigating funeral plans and um, getting my will done. Mm. And um, I booked a call, I will say this one, with my friend Paula Perry, who's on Instagram as you for us she does um, sessions where she makes sure that your cover is adequate for your life needs or whatever, a session with her to make sure I've got all of that in place because I'm not having a GoFundMe funeral, thank you very much. (laughs) And I just thought, actually, this is time to take myself seriously. Mm. Um, If I want to, you know, have this legacy that I talk about, that also includes making sure people can find things and know who's got what and, you know... I mean, that definitely sounds like you might well have had it, right? Mm, I think Cause it, so. Because there's not many times when you go, yeah, I don't know, there's something in you was saying this is serious, even though that's the same thing with me. I knew it was really serious, but I also had enough faith. I knew I was well enough to get through it, yeah. which is really fortunate. I absolutely understand yeah. that privilege. Fascinating. We could well have been. I think there's yeah. going to be more, because my husband hasn't, then gone down with it and we're two weeks clear now so Mm -hmm. but he was ill 10 days before lockdown and just falling asleep in the day and you're like oh yeah perhaps perhaps he's had it as well yeah so it's a it's a wild time and you know I just send lots of love and compassion to everybody um because we we need it and so you mentioned your husband Mm -hmm. he's a stay-at-home dad (laughs) and I've heard stay-at-home mums and working from home mums I mean like just everywhere I turn he's there like this is usually my space the kitchen table is my office like (laughs) what's going on here no it hasn't been like people saying oh gosh I hate my husband but it's just Mm. like what are you doing here all the time Mm. um do you ordinarily work from home I do I do you're out a lot I am out a lot. That's the, that's the difference. So we are used to, you know, we spent a year, he's been doing it just over a year. So we spent a year learning to navigate um, being in each other's space a lot. And it got to the point, actually, at the beginning of this year, ironically, before lockdown, when he said, I need you to be out of the house a little bit more because I'm finding the pressure of knowing you're upstairs difficult. Um, but it actually has been really fortunate because he because we have got very divided roles, albeit flipped, I am now in work mode and he is in parenting mode and that has been very straightforward for us. So we're lucky. Oh, that's good. That's Mm. good. And I I love that he was able to say to you, darling, (laughs) I need you out the house more rather than brood and stomp and and clang things around. I mean, we've been through a lot of therapy. We have worked very hard to learn how to communicate with one another and it doesn't always work but we are with yeah we are quite good at that so therapy Mm. tell me about therapy how has therapy helped you guys to be no 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 let me reframe that what has therapy helped you guys do that you weren't able to do as well previously um I mean when we went to therapy, we were in a very, very dark place. We were in a, at the, you know, staring down the barrel at the end of our marriage to an extent. And she, the opening moment of that was her saying to us, do you want to save this relationship? And I think that as well as the rest of the journey, that was the most fundamental thing that even when things go quite badly and ours was to do with money and having kit, you know, just life. Yeah. Um, to know that yes we did so that I think that is a great starter but then the biggest learning she taught us was that 
in times of crisis, Brene talks about it, actually. She talks about being, I can't remember the language, but you either over-index or you're under-index. Under so when I when my back's against the wall, I go absolutely mad. I When I'm stressed, I pick up more stuff. I do more. I take on weird side projects. And when my husband is stressed, he like drops all the balls. And the problem is that when when it's mini stresses works really well because he's dropping the balls and I'm picking them up mm -hmm. and when that gets to an extreme and especially now we've got three kids where there are so many balls <clears throat> to be dropped I'm picked up so now we are able now we can acknowledge that fundamental behavior in one another we are able to call it out and I can go without looking like I'm jumping down his throat look why are you burying your head and he can go or oh, why are you <laughs> being a nutter yeah and and yeah, that is, was a single bit. Just to understand the very foundations of how you both work in crisis is really a massive gift. Mm -hmm. <sighs> I just had to take a deep breath <laughs> and stretch for that one. It's so beautiful um, to hear that. So um, I'm a coach and when... Um, when I enter into coaching relationships with people, I share this um, audio, which once you get past the sound of the guy's voice, it's really helpful because it talks about distinguishing the difference between agreements and expectations mm. and talks about the weight expe expectations places on relationships of all kinds full stop. And so as you were talking, I was hearing parts of that agreements versus expectations um, narrative because if you guys agree to accept yourselves fully like you accept yourself and then create space to accept your partner your husband your best friend your mum, your auntie as they are you're then able to create agreements about how you behave mm. um, rather than having an expectation that says well you haven't picked up this sock and it's been on the floor for 20 yeah. years and I, you know, a lot of, if you get into the details of domestic, we, in the crux of this, we also did a thing where I listed all, literally listed every single thing that was in my head, just to give him a visual of the, you know, water the plants, buy a new pair of tights for Greta. Yeah. And just, just to give it to him and he could see it. And it was really transformative. And I often talk about that we made an agreement that he was going to do the washing the clothes doing the clothes and there was a real moment there where after I gave, gave that task to him or we decided on that task I then had to not get involved with it and he mm. and, and he doesn't do it how I would like him to do it I would prefer he did it daily he likes to do wait for a few days then do a whole day of laundry but I had to really check myself if I've handed that over and we've agreed that he's doing it then I've got to step back and I could see that I wasn't comfortable with that. And then you have to realise that, yeah, the, the fault is in both of our parts when things become a point of friction. So, yeah, it does washing. Mm, sometimes we've just got to clench our bum cheeks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and not be a martyr. Uh, yeah, and it's really hard. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. Um, so regardless of what we're taught, well, not taught, regardless of what we share on online. So a friend of mine was saying, I feel really bad um, because I talk about this stuff, about feminism, about equity and equality online. But at home, I am performing a very traditional gender role. And I was like, listen, forget that. A lot of us are feminines online and we're feminists online and we're rocking the patriarchy at home. <laughs> Is your husband going to breastfeed your baby? <laughs> Exactly. Like, you know, like, let's, let's keep it 100. Mm. How did you and your husband navigate? So you talked about um, in January, your husband was like, I need you out of the house more for me to be able to do what I'm doing. What was that process like for you guys? Because it wasn't, you weren't just deciding in your home. Well, my impression is, let me not project. My impression is you weren't just deciding that in your home, you were going to change um, how we perceive gen traditional gender norms. You were also deconstructing society within your home. It's mad. It's mad. I mean, it was a really gradual process which helped. So um, after our, my first two kids, I went back to work and we both did a kind of four-day week. And then when I had Greta, we did shared parental leave. So we did this kind of test run where I was back to work and he was... 
he was doing the paternity leave and it was kind of an unspoken thing I think we're like oh right is this gonna is this how it's gonna work but it was so bizarre in that on the Friday I was the childcare provider and he was in the office and then come the Monday I was back at work and he was the childcare provider so it's like whoa we've literally exchanged um wow literally over the weekend yeah <laughs> yeah and and you know there's a lot of me going yeah I told you so I knew that but apart from that um but really for us it came down to hard financial facts of of my earning potential and the cost of childcare and mm-hmm. what his salary was and so that really helped because it gave it a real kind of logical anchor yeah but it is interesting when we went to tell people that he was not going to return to work there are so many people with three kids where you haven't got the woman going back to work because it just doesn't make financial sense but when you say that a man's going to do that people are shocked Mm -hmm. they're shocked they're like oh that's a bit risky and what about his career and and won't you know will he ever be able to work again and yet they happily allow women to exit the workplace in fact, even when he was going on shared parental leave, he went through this interesting experience in the months before where he was being left out of meetings, not included on emails. I was like, yep, Whoa. this is what happens to so many pregnant women and they're pregnant, you know, yeah. you're not even dealing with that. But anyway, um, he, and then, yeah, and then here we are. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it, it's, it's wild and it's kind of, bizarre that we're doing it I can't quite believe the massive transition but I I feel really excited in the long term to see the impact that has on our kids Mm -hmm. I love it I love seeing them yeah behave in such an uh, untraditional way I suppose yeah no it sounds really lovely and I think there's a lot to um learn from that and I think it's really really interesting how despite all of the information and knowledge we have like in our minds emotionally we're still stuck in these traditional gender roles because emotionally we find it so easy to link having motherhood and staying at home but not fatherhood um so yeah but I mean I think the work has been have I've had to work a lot on myself to navigate that mum guilt that is re- that is really loud. You know, when he's the one doing play dates and he's chatting to the other parents on the sc- at the school gates and knowing more of that than I will. And yeah, that is a very very loud voice in my head that I'm somehow not performing all my roles. And the other thing that I think we haven't got over, and this is absolutely no disrespect for him, but the emotional load still sits in my head I believe Mm -hmm. we're trying to shift that but that is why I think it makes these roles a little bit easier in that he's doing the physically much harder job by looking after the kids but I don't think that list is still ticking over in his mind so that Mm -hmm. is whether we can can we ever transition that to be even I don't know it definitely takes a lot of work yeah I wonder whether or not you know all that women are from Venus men are from Mm. Mars kind of like I I you know, uh, my my uncle, as as a child, um, I can't remember what we were doing, and we were talking about something being fair, and he held up his uh, hands and he said, "You see these? They're all equal, but they're not the same." And I was mm. like, "That stuck. That has stuck with me forever." And I think that um, sometimes, I you know, I'm not a qualified gender identity specialist or whatever but I do think sometimes we just need to take note and pay attention that there are some things that um as a woman I think we're more inclined to do and and vice versa and I yeah. don't think that that's wrong bad I think it just it's is different yeah. actually yeah, I've talked about that a lot and I think in some ways guys or Ben anyway is all I can figure out is is really well suited to this role because men can in theory do that kind of locking in thing when he's with the kids he is just thinking about the kids and I again feel envious of that because it's something I've never been able to achieve because I'm always got a hundred things in my head but Mm -hmm. he that plays to his strengths and it's funny going into this um lockdown now my reaction was to try and like plan 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 and he's been winging it and funnily enough he's has ended up planning a bit more but I was just like again 
just because I would like to plan in this situation yeah doesn't mean it's the right answer yeah 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 listen this this adulting and just <laughs> thing oh my gosh it's like every minute something's being poked you're like oh great another thing that needs to be healed or addressed or I'm glad whatever. you feel like that seriously seriously I I think anybody that um thinks that being more like being open to the awakening and exploring if you if you think that someone's sitting on a lily pad with their legs crossed saying um it's it's you're just so I I at the moment feel like I'm just so alive to everything Mm. And that's, for me, that's better because I wasn't alive and awake to lots of things and literally made myself ill, bumbling around, like bashing my head against the door frame instead of walking through the door. Mm. Um, but it's, it, it's really tricky and you've just got to keep choosing to come back to, I'm choosing this. Mm. I'm, it's for the betterment of everybody if I'm mm. choosing this path. Mm. Um, but yeah, back back to the the matter at hand. Mm. So as I said in the beginning, um, I, I love the way that you use your platform and your influence. Um, and I, I wrote down my own, my notes here. You are no ordinary influencer Aww. because you hold a lot of space for a lot of people. So your mother of all lists blog is a place where you hold space for other people. Mm. And as somebody that had a blog that did a similar kind of thing previously it's not just a case of somebody slaps you a few words and you cut and paste it on there <laughs> no it isn't it's not it, no occasionally I, I get like emails from people saying do you pay people it's like uh, that blog is running at a serious loss like and My that, gosh. That, that, that is mm-hmm. absolutely fine but it is even you know I've got it quite honed now it is emotionally it's a lot of work to curate it and yeah, it's not, well, as you know, it's not a random kind of order that things appear and it's trying to sense what is, because again, if I could just schedule it, that would be fine, but I don't schedule it because I, I go very much on what I feel is the right thing, the story to be sharing at that yeah. moment. But yeah. It's, it's a lot of life force energy. <laughs> Podcast, it is. You yeah. don't just rock up and, hey, yeah, how you doing? And then you oh. have your biannual meetups. So yeah. I read, I read uh, on your LinkedIn page, oh, uh, <laughs> you said having children was a huge shift and you, uh, you know, chose to work differently. Mm. And I know that your husband is at home, so you have got support into like your, your, your um, there's harmony in your childcare arrangements, mm-hmm. but still being a mother to three children, whether you've got a stay at home husband or not is big work. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's huge. What made you decide to take this part? Like, you could literally just sit down or stand up. Kids, stand nicely. Take a picture. Hashtag ad. You could you Uh, could hashtag ad all day long and have. I know that being um, an influencer and creating content isn't an easy life, mm -hmm. but it's easier than curating a blog, doing your podcast, doing your creative strategy work. What possessed you? I mean, uh, it's funny you ask that. Well, I think to ladder right back, I feel kind of blessed in that I started out on social media only for therapy for myself. You know, (coughs) Mother of All This and my Instagram has been around five years and I started on maternity leave to save myself because I was trying to desperately understand who I was as a mother. And so any bit of content I put out wasn't content. It was it was self-help really and and it's grown off the back of that but it is interesting actually I was just having a a DM conversation with someone because they put a post up saying they wish that influencers would stop doing ads during coronavirus and I said I just need to pick that up with you I definitely agree that people need to be mindful of the content they're putting up but most influencers are small businesses too you know, I've had the majority of my work dry up in the next six months. And just to, yeah, I think that needs to be reframed a bit. Absolutely. But, but she said, oh, but I'm not talking about you. And I was like, I, I do appreciate that. But that, yeah, I think it's it's an easy thing just to, influence has become such as this coverall thing. And mm-hmm. I understand why, because there are people doing it in an inauthentic and very grabby way 
but there are also many of us trying to do it in a meaningful powerful way that takes an awful lot of yourself it, you know you know it takes an unbelievable amount and I I know I'm happy with my choices you know I know that I could fill my feed with pictures of my kids and my engagement would rock it and I would get more followers but I that isn't the way I want mm-hmm. to use my platform but it's such a weird wrangling because you know I I can see the things that would equal greater success but I don't choose them because that's not the version of success that I want (laughs) that is not the version of success that I want makes all the difference and this thing this love to hate to hate to love to love to hate I really want to be but I don't know if I can do it so I'm going to be jealous and love to hate and hate (laughs) to love influencers We have a magical button on all of the social media platforms we use, which is called unfollow. Mm -hmm. We do not have to engage with people. Like, I just think, you know, I've got some friends that are influencers or influencer work. It's part of the makeup of their income. Mm -hmm. And I think, okay, if somebody is doing an Instagram post for, I don't know, chewy holidays or something right now, come on, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. But if people have opened up their platform in a way where they're able to collaborate with brands and they earn money out of it, why should we be asking them to stop earning money because of coronavirus? We still need to, when we go to Tesco and we're queuing six feet apart and waiting for ages to get in, we still need money to pay. Mm. And I think that some people need to actually, before they start saying, um, I don't like the way this influencer is behaving, just ask themselves, do I need to see how this influencer Mm. is behaving? Because often what we don't like is a reflection of something that's going on um, within us. And I will say very openly, there are lots of times that I think, Mm, maybe I should be a bit more coordinated on Instagram and maybe I should share more pictures of myself doing whatever because I get more engagement because then maybe I'd get some brand partnerships and I could earn (laughs) money from playing around with my, well, not playing around, that sounds dismissive. I do have those thoughts, but I also know myself. Mm. Penny, I do not, that's not the way I work. No. I I did, um, I've done a couple of um branded pieces of work one of them I absolutely adored the other one I was like so now I've got to do what you tell me to do <laughs> there was a bit in me that was really kicking um, yeah. against that so I think people need to appreciate that people can make choices and you can make the choice not to follow yeah yeah it is your cliche I'm, I'm <clears> laughing <throat> to myself while we're talking so I um do CrossFit and work out at a local gym and I love it and it saves my sanity. But whilst I was ill, I haven't been able to exercise and then I haven't been able to exercise for 10 days after. So I had to unfollow them because I was just, I was getting angry and they're people that I love. And then yesterday, now I'm fit again, I re-followed yep. and they're like, oh, you're re-following us. So I'm like, oh no, it's embarrassing. You've I've got been to mute, mute instead. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> and you don't have to go back. But you know, that yeah. that was just a little bit of self-care. And it's not that I don't love that gym, mm-hmm. I do. But I, mm-hmm. for, for the last two weeks, I couldn't see it because it was yeah. making me angry. You see, that that is um, dominion. That is exercising your agency. And mm. yeah, there, there are, when Corona first kicked off and everybody, even now, it's full of lives. Everybody was doing this free challenge, free do, do this, do that, do the other. And I could feel myself getting really, really cross at content I would ordinarily love. Mm. So I was like, right, Tamu, we're going to do one of two things. You're going to delete the app or you're going to mute the people because we're not going to be doing this. Mm. And I decided to just not do any of those, Mm. just step away from my phone. And then Mm. there were people, you've got a platform, you've always got something to say, you need to use it, this is the time, blah, blah, blah. And I thought, do you know what? I literally feel like I'm accelerating and braking simultaneously. Mm. This is not the time for me to be pretending. Mm. If, if I have to pretend, I'm just not doing it. You yeah, know, I'm, 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 I'm nearly 43. At this age, this is when we're authentic. Mm. This isn't the time for pretending. So it's, it, it, can, be, it can be a lot of pressure. And um, as much as we talk about 
this person's posting this or this person's posting too much or whatever we're still there yeah exactly we're still up for the rampant consumption (laughs) how do you manage that and the reason I'm asking is because sometimes I feel like even I have an expectation of people with a sizable platform that I follow so I have an expectation that they're going to have some new content for me Mm. to consume and I heard um I think it was the holistic psychologist oh, Nicole. so good oh my gosh <laughs> I just want to do work experience with her I just want to be her student her Brene Brown uh, um Dr Gabo Mate I just really want to be their um friend. And, and shaman direct I, I don't even want to be their friend just I just, hang I, just out with them. To, I just want to learn I just want to watch them work and just ab- absorb like mm. I just think their brains, there are a few people, actually Nicola Washington, too much mothering information. She, I found you and I've said to her something like, I I would just love to spend like an afternoon in her brain. I think it just must be one of the most wonderful places. So she would laugh so hard at that. She has. (laughs) (laughs) She, and she's questioned. It's all right. Like I'm a weirdo. I know it. I I just, I, I love the, well I love what I perceive to be the way her brain works but um how do you manage and maybe it's made up but how do you manage the feeling of expectation with your workload um well if that for me is my own expectations of myself and again what we've talked about is my coping strategy is to over index so I and it's actually Russell Brand and Fern Cotton were talking about it on their latest episode of Happy Place. You know, this really shines a light on how much my work is a reflection of my how I value myself. So when I was ill and couldn't work and I'm not ticking off a to-do list during the day, I'm like, oh, right, I don't fit very comfortably with this. Mm-hmm. But what I do know with social media, and I'm exactly the same, I was like, am I not kind of putting out, am I not doing enough lives? Am I not giving people what they need during Corona, but I have learned to trust my instincts and I'm really into living with your menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And I, I really know that I have times when I feel like I haven't got anything to say on Instagram, in which case I don't say anything on Instagram. And then I'll have times when I feel like it's just rolling and I'm putting out content and it's coming easy. And, and that's, and I, you know, I've been doing it long enough to kind of trust mm-hmm. that it will always come back round. And so that, that is how it tends to roll. Because mm. I, like you're saying a bit with that branded piece, but any, it's, it's hard to learn which are the bits that feel sticky because they're interesting. You know, when I'm like, oh, this is a weird post, I'm going to put it out and it gets traction. Or when I force myself to post and it doesn't feel very nice. And anything that falls into that camp where I'm like, oh, I'm, I ought to put a pit something up. You know, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel good. Especially when you are cultivating an honest space. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then it's not honest, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. So that, that is actually a really good thing for me to remember. If You know, my guiding light is honesty. Yeah, but yeah. I do I do allow myself to try and po- to post that light and shade and to give myself mm-hmm. space. And I've said it before, but I have Instagram deleted off my phone for quite big chunks of time. When I was ill, I had it off for five days, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. And then weekends, I have it completely off. But, yeah, which sounds extreme, but I just I it's so habitual that tapping on that I just lose I lose time, and it, it takes about a couple of hours to lose that instinct, and then you're like, oh, oh no, gosh, yes. Yes, like detoxing. I, I, I used to have the, the the trinity, and my fingers would just end up wandering. And I'd be like, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What am I looking for? But nothing's there. <laughs> I mean, now there is stuff there. Now, oh my god, there's everything there. But that that trine, Instagram, that is when actually, as I'm speaking, that is when I'd be like oh, this person hasn't posted anything. That is when I fell into, because when I was avoiding my reality, I wanted somebody else's reality. And everybody else's reality is, we've got work to do. Don't know about you, love. Yeah, crack on. Um, exactly. So um, 
thinking about honesty, um, there's a clip on your Instagram from your podcast where you were asking your guest, Kat and Nat, yeah, yeah. three <laughs> things. Understand. That was fascinating, right? So they're the only North American um, guests I've ever had. And when I ask British people that, they are like, oh, yeah. I know all this and they honestly couldn't comprehend it they're like what do you mean inner critic I mean I know she got confused but she's like inner critic oh no I mean I don't say anything bad about myself I was like oh wow this is a massive cultural difference because yeah we're all we've all got these voices in our head I was reading this book um Authentic Happiness by Martin Seligman who is the founder of um, Positive Psychology and um, he was talking about a guy that he was working with. Um, so he was talking about the happy de- our happiness index, like our natural capacity for happiness mm-hmm. and how we can build on it. And there was a guy, really successful business person, businessman. He had all the trappings of life that we tell ourselves will make us happy. Mm-hmm. And he was still miserable. And he was, um, and he wasn't just, he just wasn't finding an American woman to be with in the, in the USA. And um, Martin Seligman basically said, you're a miserable fuck. You need to get with a European person. <laughs> we love that shit. <laughs> And he did, and he got into, and he married somebody. I, I, I when when they said European, I thought they were going to say British, but maybe she was French or something. Yeah, I was going to say French are the next best of that. <laughs> yeah, that's so, so funny. Yeah, like literally, he was like, "Stop doing all this stuff. This is your maximum capacity for happiness. Yeah, you need to find somebody that matches that with a little bit of misery. <laughs> literally, literally. So yeah, we do misery well. But please, could you share three things? your inner critic says about your Instagram use? Wow. Um, You're happy to, you're not happy. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't self-edit. I'm fine with that. I worry that I don't pick a lane. That has been my, my constant kind of wrangle with myself. Again, if I if I was advising a brand and when I see other people's Instagram, you're like, Oh, you know, she's the person that does body confidence. She's the person that does work life balance. And I do all of it. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, classic you. And it's it's like what you were saying. I am working on all of those things amongst myself. I am working on my mental health. I am working on my career. I'm working on my body image. And so I feel like I flit, but that is because that's a reflection of my brain. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, it's authentic. Um, um yeah and my other conversation I have if we're just talking about Instagram right yeah the other conversation is like that I should be more professional so I see all those people with nice cameras and really good shots and uh yeah I'm not very good at that side of it I mean I my background is as a writer so I I probably spend more time writing copy and less time with the visuals yeah um what else do I say I mean I just don't want to be an influencer I don't want to be an influencer (laughs) that is that is you were gonna say that um but I've again done a bit of work and trying to position myself and I'm this makes me feel uncomfortable more like a broadcaster or yeah I don't want to be an influencer I don't want to sell people stuff for the sake of selling it my career was in is in advertising so I'm an expert in marketing so I don't want to not do ads but Mm -hmm. I'm not I don't, yeah, I'm not about trying to get people to buy into any lifestyle. I do want people to think about the way that they exist and think about themselves um, and ask themselves questions. And and if there's a brand that that sits well with, that's mm-hmm. the thing, like with my podcast, which I'm fortunate enough to be sponsored, but brands go, oh, yeah, I want to sponsor it. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, but we're going to be talking about this, this, this and this. And like, oh. We're going to be talking about masturbation <laughs> before meditation. Yeah, exactly. Yes, that's a light. That's a light. And then actually I was looking at your feed and you were talking about um, self-love, weren't you? And actually that that is, it is legit, you know. Mm. If, that, if that gets you in the zone. And let me tell you something. I was speaking on a panel about pleasure at the Kind Festival and... Um, it, it was engaging. People were with me. I could see that. The moment I talked about activating your clitoris and fanny flutters, the whole room was like, tell me more, tell me more. And <laughs> literally, I got so many DMs about fanny flutters and activating your clitoris. And I was just like, we have this pleasure source 
We walk around with it all day long. It is an organ. We're the only ones with this um, organ. It is there with so many pleasure, nerves about pleasure. Sometimes if you just sit down and think about, and just, just think about drawing beautiful energy towards your clitoris, you can have a momentary nice time. Yeah, and that's all right. That's, that is an everyday joy of Especially, life. Especially, although a couple of people do DM me after I was posting about meditation slash masturbation, it's like, yeah, you, any parent who is navigating this, I mean, you can't even get a wee on your own. So it's, it's difficult to find the time. Well, you can be sitting down playing with... I'm just going to pause there because that was going to go in the next direction altogether and I'm a social worker. But what I would say to um, everybody is that masturbation affirmation is just like warp speed supersonic affirming. That's all I'm going to say. Put it out there. With that that, that information. (laughs) Can I just say this staying in your lane? I, I can't. I can't help it. I have to challenge your um, inner critic, and I know that it's, it's it's a voice that you don't have to believe. But the reason that, like, I've, I've been toying around with the idea of inviting you onto my podcast for a long time, mm-hmm. and and the, the the part that piques my interest is that your lane is honesty. So it it doesn't, it really, like when I was, when you were talking about um, strength training, because being strong for you is more important than how you look. I was like, yes, come on. Because for me, there is nothing like lifting heavy weights. I miss a barbell so badly. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I miss my friend Greg telling me, come on, you can get a bit lower. 16 terms shouldn't you be on the 18 but I I, 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 love, it. I love it I mean uh, yeah it's something I've spoken about a lot but the moment that I understood that exercise was for my mind and not for my body every everything changed and of course now like all those years when I forced myself to the gym now I arrange my entire life around being able to exercise because it's the best thing that I can do for my head and yeah all those sporty people, they bloody knew it. They, they knew, knew it. it. <laughs> they didn't tell us properly. They didn't. No, they didn't. I thought it was, I just didn't get why they'd want to prioritise it. I'm like, oh, damn you, I wish. And this, I mean, in all seriousness, I did not go to school that encouraged sport a great deal, which is fine because I'm definitely creative. But there's such a huge um, thing about girls going through puberty and, and dropping out of sport. Yeah. And I really wish that had I found exercise in in this way for me weight training early on it would have saved it would have been a gift throughout some really difficult times in my life absolutely um, and I think we're learning so much more about it it makes it's it's making it feel more accessible for everybody because I remember a few years ago when I when I first really started getting interested um, in weight training um, that was with um, kettlebells I remember um, women that I was working with saying well won't that make you get really bulky and I was like well, firstly, I don't care. No. Um, secondly, probably because when I was 16, I don't know why, I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I made no effort whatsoever. <laughs> but I looked at bodybuilders' bodies and I just thought, oh my goodness, like, that is a thing of beauty and wonder. But I was just like, this idea that we're supposed to be soft and small and dainty, yeah. I've just, it's just not my, my vibe. What the one of the best compliments I had, I went roller skating with my friend, maybe it was in December, and she said, Tam, I can see your muscles as you're skating through your jeans. I was like, yes, <laughs> I made it. Literally. So now I'm like, I've got to get back on this because I'm acting like I'm on my summer holidays and not doing anything properly and doing and like half-assing things. But I'm like, I'm losing my gains. Mm, You've got to keep it going. Also, as soon as you do it, as soon as you do it again, you'll be like, oh, oh my is- gosh. Yeah. The creativity, the space, not snapping as much. Mm. My head feels like, like it's just all of it. And, and that's the thing. We approach mental health from a top-down approach. Mm. And I think that we should take a bottom-up approach, like from your... your so um, we talk about um, our bodies and our minds being connected. Fam, 
your mind is in your body. Yeah. So if you're looking after your body, you're looking after your mind. Yeah, it's so true. But uh, yeah, especially with weight training, and I'm into particularly like Olympic lifting, there's a moment when you have to pick up something really, really heavy where you cannot think about anything else other than that, other than getting a barbell off off the floor. And I just absolutely... To get that purity of thought is is like a massive gift if you have an overactive mind. So that's it. Very, very grounding. And I think that um, I wonder if, like it, it seems like the energy was very airy. So we, we um, okay, no, not seems as. So industrial revolution, logic, positivism, intuition went out the window things Mm. that we couldn't quantify went out the window it was all about process and what leads to this certain um conclusion and we all followed that path so we all became very heady and there are studies that show that the more cognitive we become the more we have the more distance we have um from our bodies and from Mm. the intelligence of our bodies and it's made us all like imagine we're 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 like trees but with no trunk and roots so it so the wind blows we're off and I think now even with this COVID-19 the call is grounding Mm. so people talk about um your higher self and all of this and that and the other look at nature um um, you can't see Clemmy can see I'm looking out my window at my neighbor's tree that tree is very tall and it goes very high into the sky because it's deeply rooted and grounded and it can withstand all kinds of weather because it is so deeply rooted and grounded Mm. exercise is not a frivolous thing it is something that we get into flow states yeah we might think oh crap I forgot to post that letter or whatever the case may be but we have lots of moments of being really really connected and then woomph a beautiful idea comes mm. some clarity oh actually I shouldn't have said that thing the way yeah. that you know I'm like it's really but it's a byproduct I don't think that we should do exercise to have this thing. no I think we should do it because we have a right to access that and also going back to like some of this it's an hour when I don't have my phone in my hand mm-hmm. like a li- you know and that shouldn't be a notable thing but there aren't that many hours when I'm awake when I don't have my phone in my hand so but also your job your job you yeah. you, you you need you like your you need to I know I say that to Ben yesterday it's very hard to know how much of my Instagram use is where it strays between just minor scrolling and um work and yeah. there is a definitely needing to un- know what the lay-, lay of the land is and see what people are posting yeah and you know you can again it's a real visceral thing in your body I can actually sense the point when I go into a mindless scroll it, it just feels different doesn't it absolutely absolutely and then we have to be bold enough to put it to- down <laughs> <laughs> or, or not just another five minutes or not just do the, the as you say when you were to... uni did you imagine that this would be your career no and no I didn't but I did do media and cultural studies um so it it definitely I often joke with my mates from uni that all oh, we would love to have written dissertations about this so it, it did kind of yeah it did preempt it I suppose but yeah. Once in a while, you go, oh, my word, this is my entire life now. And that is the most bizarre thing. I know. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I, I love how you're kind of um, an, uh, like insti- instinctive technology. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I, that's when, when people worry about the next generation. I think that they will be much more blessed with that than we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I truly believe. And I think that a lot of what we say about, um, you know, the world going to rat shit because of social media, we just don't understand it. No. We just, I remember when um, a, a musician friend of mine was on MySpace. I just didn't get it. I just thought, what the hell is this thing? And my brother and sister, so I'm quite a bit older than my brother and sister. Um, I'm seven years older than my brother, 15 years older than my sister. Mm. So when they were on MSN, I, I was revolted. I was, I was like, what the hell? <laughs> then Facebook came. 
and I was pre- I was on maternity leave, so I had a bit more. I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I just think it's going to evolve. Um, and well, look know. at TikTok. And actually, I mean, I am not going to become a TikToker, but I, I adore looking at it. And I do love that, you know, it is that does belong to the next generation. Yeah. The, and they have done something that we didn't do with Instagram in that they are just putting content out for kind of joy and fun and creativity. And they're, they're, I don't feel like they're putting too much of themselves as in, their inner self yeah and I think and I and there's not really egos it is much more just fun it's fun yeah, yeah and I, re- I think it's really interesting to observe I mean I've never felt so old in my life I oh tried to do I just can't do it my daughter just kicks me off I, I, I didn't sign up because she, she she's just like can't we have anything now we'll <laughs> But trying to learn these routines, I can dance, but to coordinate myself for a routine, so I, I, can't, I, I just, oh, mum, just take too long. So I know my lane. TikTok is yeah. my lane, but I do enjoy watching. Yeah, and that and that's actually really nice. I think to to as someone who is in social media to look at it and go, I admire it. I could try and figure it out, but I don't need to go there. And it was a bit similar a couple of years ago. Oh, should I? go into YouTube should I go into YouTube and I I actually use YouTube more now but I don't I'm I don't consume YouTube and my audience are a reflection of me therefore I don't need to suddenly start doing that and it's yeah. so easy to go, to jump on the next thing and the next thing and there'll be a TikTok and then there'll be something else and there'll be something else Absolutely. and you, ha- you have to like resist the urge just to do it for the same yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, like, I still, I'm still, stu- I'm still stuck in the kind of like older phase of um, Instagram. So sometimes I look at my, <laughs> you know, when you can look at your whole grid. Yeah. Like, hell, it looks like a market. It looks like a, a different shades of pink market. Like it's no, just- yours looks good. I was looking at it. It's really easy to consume. <laughs> See, in my mind, I just think what I would like, like if if Solange. Like if, if if Solange was an Instagram, in my mind, that's it would be slow living, me posing with my hand delicately placed in a certain position. But when it comes to it, I've got an idea. It's like you it's, it's literally. And when somebody was saying to me about um, writing essays on, like about having time to write essays on Instagram. I was like, if it took me time to write essays on Instagram, I wouldn't do it. I'm literally doing something. I have an idea or I'm researching something or I've had an experience. Brrr, I type it. Done. That's it. I'm not, if I have to take God knows how long to write an Instagram post, mm. my Instagram would be empty. There just wouldn't be anything there. But I do think, well, oh, maybe I should. No. And then I just think that's my ego self. Yeah. Like it's got... It's just not going to happen. Well, look, I'm just going to... Uh, Brene's Instagram isn't banging, but she's amazing. So we don't need... Exactly. That's it. Be more Brene. Yeah, she got it. She's got it. And you know what? I must say, maybe maybe that's what it is. So my number one value is integrity. Mm. So maybe that's why when uh, Nicola, blah, 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 Kelly Telford, and I look, I thought, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Well, it's the same thing. Integrity and honesty. Yeah. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Same uh, thing. And I like it? that. Okay, so I could start talking about other things, but I don't think that it is fair for me to indulge <laughs> myself by keeping you here for ages. Um, but so to wrap up, everyday joy is my thing. Mm. I think that we, you know, can have a really beautiful, rich experience in all life circumstances um because rich and beauty doesn't mean that it's pretty and soft and whatever um so please could you share an unexpected everyday joy you have experienced within this COVID-19 pandemic well I in the last couple of days I have started um doing my once a day exercise at night I went out the last two nights at 8 30 partly because I was going to Peckham Rye and it's so busy it's really hard to avoid people but I went out last night and rather than going to the green space I actually walked all up around me which is normally really populated and it's empty Mm. and it was the most trippy experience it had that kind of energy of when you're coming back from a party at five in the morning except for it's not it's 8 30 and and I'm 
try, was trying to hold on to London being just kind of peaceful for a moment. It's a joy to walk the, the streets that are my home and that I know, but in a complete, seeing yeah. them in a very different way. So yeah, yeah. just, just walking, walking's just walking. nice. Um, so if anybody that is listening to this isn't connected with you already, where can they find you on the interwebs? I am Clemmy underscore Telford on Instagram. My blog is uh mother of all and my podcast honestly is available on all good podcast providers beautiful i will make sure that there are links to those in the show thank notes you. thank Kenny, you thank you so much for your time oh, what, what a big chat for uh whatever time it is in the i morning. know i know well thank you it's, it's 11 o'clock but this is coming out whenever it's coming out so be ready well you are going to be ready because you would have already listened but yes i will end here thank, <laughs> thank you so you. much for your time my pleasure Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to 360 Conversations. I appreciate you sharing your precious time with my guest and I. I hope you found the episode useful. I'd be so grateful if you could rate and review my podcast like an increasing number of our digital experiences, the algorithms rule. Your feedback will assist me reaching a wider audience and I'd really love to have more women being privy to or joining these conversations. The feedback I get following each episode is beautiful and tells me more women could benefit. As always, I'd love to keep the conversation going. You can join me by commenting on the podcast show notes on my website or via social media at Live360. I hope to engage with you soon podcast produced by me tammy thomas podcast music produced by james anderson take care